Welcome back to another episode of Mastering Money for Moms podcast, where we're discussing the two greatest generational gifts, raising a family and leaving a legacy. If you would, please like, subscribe, and share our podcast with others so we can help educate more people. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Thanks for listening. Welcome everyone to the next episode of Lighthouse Ventures podcast, where we're helping others build wealth. And I'm here with today's guest, Bessie. Bessie, I can't even start to pronounce your last name. So, and I really want you to introduce yourself because I can't do as good of a job on introducing you as you can tell me, you know, so why don't you share with everybody, our audience about yourself and um, we'll just get started. Absolutely. And thank you so much for the warm invite and the warm intro, Jennifer. It's really a pleasure to be a guest on the podcast and and share wealth of knowledge with your audience. Um, But I guess I will back up a little bit. I I started my real estate journey um, in the residential space, like many people with buying one single family home, then another, then a duplex, and the light bulb went on uh, at that point. Um, thinking, well, I can, it's not just a side investment and a way to diversify from the stock market. It's something bigger and, and something that I can really scale. And so as I started thinking about how do I scale this naturally, um, the idea to start investing in apartments and multifamily came through because it would allow me to leverage a lot of the knowledge and skill set accumulated in the residential space, my, my mm-hmm. knowledge and skill set from my W2 and, and take it from there. And so I, I, I made that decision summer of uh, 2021 or summer of last year. And then I was onto a mission. Um, a lot of people that I had spoken to at the time, especially experienced investors, were sharing that it's, in, it's important if you want to scale to get a mentor. And so I decided to do just that. Not that it's impossible to do it without one, but it may take longer. And um, I didn't really want to do that and, and benefit from the knowledge and, 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 and experience from someone who's gone through that before. Um, so I ultimately settled on a coaching program at the end of last year. And from that point, the journey began. I um, set a stretch goal of closing my first deal within 12 months of uh, joining that program. And I'm really happy to share that I've officially been able to make the transition into multifamily earlier this year by closing on a a joint venture deal, so smaller property, a syndication, which is a larger property, as well as on on one LP deal. And... uh, so I can unpack a lot of that, but I will pause and, and see if there are any questions. Oh my goodness. Well, there's a lot in that. I think first and foremost, the fact that you started out as an agent and you acquired your a single family home, and then you went on to a duplex, that's a natural progression for so many of us. And like you, I had that same awakening that there's got to be a bigger, better way. Um, One of the things I really love that you touched on is the importance of a coach. I mean, we all know that you can get there if you just follow what other people have been doing, but the value of a coach really accelerates your learning. And don't you think that it forces you to set some goals that you wouldn't probably set if you were on your own? 
Absolutely. It was instrumental in so many ways, um, not just sharing knowledge and exchanging ideas, but having that accountability partner, uh, going through the 90-day action plan, touching base every two weeks. And of course, you invest time as well. You need to prepare every for your checkpoint um, calls with your coach. So it really forces you to take that action. And if you need to call brokers, you need to call brokers and you need to get over your fear because uh, there are only so many times you can say, well, I didn't do it this week because of X, Y, Z excuse, right? Um, right. So it really introduces that accountability. Um, it, it, it gives you the opportunity to see that it's possible. Whatever you're aspiring to do, it's possible because they've done it. They've gone through this process before. And, um, and also access to the network, that was that's just prices priceless it's invaluable and being around like-minded positive individuals who have similar goals and, and values so yeah. um definitely a lot of uh, I, I can talk on and on but there are a lot of positives in my view from joining a program and, and the and the community agree well like you I, um i've paid for two different coaching programs that are in real estate um, I've just jumped over and have joined another coaching program that really has to deal with your mind space and believing that you can go for that next level that you never thought was obtainable, right? And so um, it's not because we can't do it on our own, but it certainly helps when you have somebody, like you said, pushing you and nudging you and believing in you, right? So um, I think we believe in others more than we believe in ourselves so much of the time. So let's get back to real estate, though. Tell me, you just got done doing, you, you said you laid out three goals for yourself and you hit them all. So tell me about the very first goal and tell, you know, just go a little more in depth about that one, if you would, please. Absolutely. So I really wanted to close at least one deal within 12 months of closing the pro of joining the program. Um, and as I started to do my 2022 planning, I, I thought, well, why, why not stretch a little bit further and, and, and set a goal to close on three deals, but at a minimum one. And so how, how do I do that? Of course, education is a big component um, of it. But at the end of the day, it really boils down to adding value. Um, adding value to others. And what that naturally led to for me is identifying how do I add value? And, and that comes by being focused, identifying a skill that you can contribute and you can leverage, as well as being very focused on the market, identifying a market and really over time becoming an expert in that market. And so um, I did just that, identified a market that I started uh, studying, reaching out to uh, brokers, to uh, finding deals, underwriting each and every one deal. Um, and at the same time, really honing on my underwriting skills. Um, because again, it's it's something that I enjoy doing, something I'm passionate about. Um, and so that naturally drives you as well, that passion, that natural interest that drives you to get better and better. Um, and so I focused on those two. And last but not least, I would say building relationships across your network, across various networks within your market, because at the end of the day, even when you find a deal or if you know your market, 
um, and you put together that LOI, it, it means nothing if you cannot execute. And, and multifamily is a team sport. We all know these are large, complex uh, structures and apartment buildings. So not that you cannot do it on your own. I've known people who do that, but especially with larger properties, there's a lot of work involved. So it's it's not something you can do on your own necessarily. You need a team. And so having that team ready to go by the time that first deal comes around is, is imperative in order for you to execute. So um, again, focused on, on those three things, finding a market, identifying my skill set um, as a way to add value to others and building a team and a network uh, that would uh, help make those goals a reality. That is so important. Um, I have had several people come to me and ask me if I would be the sponsor on a deal because they had already put an LOI on something. And for those of you unfamiliar with the term or the acronym LOI, it simply means letter of intent to purchase. And I think that is one of the scariest things to do is not have your team in place and you've already submitted a letter of intent to buy. So, you know, sometimes you don't want to put the cart before the horse. It's important to make sure you're working on all the pieces of the puzzle at the same time when you're doing these big deals. You know, so while you're making phone calls to brokers and while you're, you know, putting your team together, already preparing um, your investors or potential investors that you're working on a deal. I mean, you can't forget about the money piece of it either. You can't put that off and think, oh, I'll wait to reach out to my fellow friends and family and let them know when I get a deal, right? You need to be having those conversations in advance. So to your point, it all goes hand in hand and um, knowing what your strength is and having those um, conversations in advance is really, really key. Okay, so you got the first deal done. How hard was it? It was not easy. And it's definitely, we talked about mindset at the beginning of the call, and that's that's imperative. Knowing your why, that will help carry you further up when you're doing great, but it will also help pull you up uh, during the tough moments. So before I found my first deal, I had underwritten nearly 200 deals. So that's an average a deal a day. And of those 200, maybe maybe five were LOI worthy. And of those five LOIs, we, we were successful in winning one. And so it takes a lot of tenacity, a lot of perseverance and um, getting a lot of no's, whether it's a no from the broker, sorry, your offer is not high enough, or the no from the deal itself when you analyze the numbers and, and see that it's maybe not as screaming of a deal as the um, uh, offering memorandum tells you that it is. So, um, so yes, it wasn't easy, but I think it was a, a, an exercise of perseverance and really knowing why am I doing this uh, that kept pushing me and pushing me to, to keep, keep going. Wow. So 200 deals. So you're right. If that's one a day, you've already went through almost the entire year. You went through three fourths of the year, right? Right. And to get that one deal, that's very comparable to me, except I went through 250 deals in 18 months and I never came up with anything. I mean, we submitted three LOIs on properties, but never got to the finish line on any of them. And that can be really um, 
it can set you back and you could kind of think, okay, what am I doing wrong? It's almost like Einstein saying, you know, the definition of insanity, continuing to do the same thing and expecting different results. So I love your perseverance, you know, congratulations to you. I'm really happy you, you were able to get that deal done. So now let's move on to the second deal. Uh, tell mm-hmm. us more about that one. Absolutely. So the second deal, that was the larger property or it's a syndication. Um, the, the two actually came around the same time, but the JV, uh, which I just talked about, closed a little bit sooner. Um, but how I, I joined the syndication deal is really goes back to what I mentioned earlier during our call, and that is finding a way to add value to others. Um, So underwriting is what I had um, focused on. And throughout that process, I was helping not only underwriting deals for myself, but also helping others underwrite deals or being that second set of eyes uh, for people who are um, looking for a really objective view on on, is this a good deal. Um, There was one particular person within the network um, that I mentioned um, that I kept working with over and over again and one day he shared a deal with me we looked at the numbers and it 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 just really stood out it was a great deal and um then he said why don't you join me in on this and we will have an opportunity to raise some capital you help with the continuous vetting underwriting um and so i did it was not in my market right but i i think at the end of the day if the team is good, if the numbers are good, you shouldn't overthink it. You should just jump in and, and take action uh, because if the foundation is there, um, then you've, you've, and you've done your diligence, there's nothing to think about in my, in my humble view. So, so yes, I, I, I received an invitation to join that team, which I gladly did. And I was able to help with other activities during the diligence process. We ultimately closed and um, now part of the um, asset management calls and, and other projects that come along. So, but it really goes back to finding a way to add value and be helpful to others. Mm-hmm. Well, congratulations on that. That is no yeah. small feat. And when you get asked to be on that first deal, it's kind of like, yes, I made it, right? I made it to the big league. So I, I'm sure you felt that same feeling. But now I know that your superpower is underwriting. And there's a lot of people out there that get intimidated by underwriting and they don't feel like they have the skill set. So I hope you know what you just did. You just unleashed your name to the world that you you like to underwrite. And that's such a beautiful skill to have. So um, I'm sure you'll be getting some contacts from this. Um, okay, so then there was a third uh, goal that you had set for yourself. Tell us more about that one. Yes, yeah, so that was, I really wanted to gain the experience of being a limited partner. Um, so the third uh, goal, if you will, was to uh, become an LP on a deal. And I look at the LP opportunities, at least at this stage, as a way to di- further diversify my real estate portfolio. So really looking to do something away from multifamily to, um, to balance out my exposure. So there was an opportunity to invest in ATM funds. And so yeah. and that's a very, um, very cash flow driven investment, So, which is one of my goals. Of course, I like appreciation. Everyone, I think, likes appreciation. But at this stage of my life, I'm, I'm looking for cash flow. 
Um, and so it met my criteria of diversification and cash flow. And I, I jumped in on that earlier this year as well. That is amazing. I know a couple other friends that are investors uh, that I've had the pleasure of get to know more and more. And we do monthly coffees and they were doing the ATMs as well. And telling me that they're just cash, I mean, they're just cash flow machines. Yes. Absolutely. And they just, they just spit out cash, but they have a life cycle of what, seven years. Is that right? It's usually a seven to 10 years. Uh, the investment that I'm part of ends in seven years. Um, so it's effectively the, the asset is fully depreciated. So it doesn't really have a useful life at the end of the investment. So you don't get that big lump sum back. Um, that you invest, uh, meaning your your initial principal amount, you get it over time. Um, the first four or so years is when that's fully paid back, and then the remaining three is when you really get the excess return. And, and that's not accounting for the benefit of depreciation. If you account for that, and this year being the last year of 100% bonus depreciation, you actually get your investment back within the first year. So. Uh, if you account for the tax benefits. Mm -hmm. That's wonderful. Wow. That's exciting. So what's in store? You know, we're rounding out the end of 2022. What do you, are, are you starting to goal set for 2023? I am. Yes. Uh, so definitely starting to think about next year. And at this stage of my journey, the next question is how do I scale this further? Um, and I'm still thinking through that. I haven't found the magic bullet. Um, next year will be very interesting, especially with everything going on in the economy. Um, I'm being even more selective, especially right now. I'm still looking at deals, still underwriting deals, not, not as many as before, uh, but definitely being more selective. Um, so for next year, if, if I can close on two to three deals, that would be phenomenal. Um, but the, the bar has been raised a little bit higher um, just based on where we're at within the market cycle and, and really being thoughtful about not only the returns, but ability to preserve capital given some of the volatility uh, we're experiencing right now. Yeah, that's, that's very, very wise. Um, so as I'm thinking through your syndication deal, I forgot to ask you, what kind of debt did you have on that? It's fixed rate debt, uh, which was imperative. And, and, and actually for both deals, um, it was extremely stressful because we got retraded not once but twice by the lender. So there were multiple ups and downs before we got to the closing table. Uh, but thankfully, we were able to lock in a relatively low rate um, at the time that that rate doesn't exist today, but uh, we were able to lock that in. It's locked for five years and then it starts floating uh, for the remaining five um, or for the remaining tenor of the facility. Now, our business plan is we project to um, sell the property within the first five years. Uh, again, this is a, a projection, not necessarily a guarantee. Uh, but the tenor of the debt exceeds that five-year uh, time frame, which also gives us additional cushion in, in the event we, we need to remain in that investment longer. Um, so between the fixed rate debt, the tenor, and the deal itself had a ton of cushion in terms of cash flow um, we, that uh, we feel really good about where it is today 
um, relative to the current market. Wow. Okay. Um, so what's your, what's your uh, view on the economy next year? What do you think is going to happen? So I, I think we're definitely headed for a recession. I think there the consensus is it's not going to be a soft landing, which is what the Fed was um, initially um, uh, communicating. And there are a number of factors driving that. We've seen the inflation numbers, and we're recording this at the um, middle end of October. So last week, the, the inflation numbers came, and, and, and that hasn't really reduced with uh, OPEC slashing production, the upcoming winter, the war between Russia and Ukraine, who knows if, if gas prices will, will decline. And, and that, that drives the economy, not just transportation, but a lot of products and services. Um, and naturally those costs then get passed on um, to the end consumer. So um, I don't know if we can tame inflation that high, which, which is why uh, Fed um, the Fed chairman has indicated that expect rates to stay high for the next two years, and, and that will come at a cost, probably a lot of layoffs and slowdown in demand. Um, so, so next year will be interesting, uh, definitely painful, but at the same time, I think it will be a great opportunity for those looking to further grow and expand into real estate um, because for the first time in years, the buyers have some leverage and, and some ability to negotiate uh, the price and, and make sure the asset is acquired at, at the right price. Um, there will be, I think, a lot of deals that come on the market that are distressed, not necessarily bad properties, but deals that were very tightly underwritten um, with assumptions of um, 4% interest rate or, or assumptions that rates can be refinanced, uh, the loan can be refinanced at low interest rates um, or really low cap rate assumptions. We've already seen cap rate reversion in certain markets. Um, so for a lot of operators, um, they'll either need to make a very big capital call or, or depending on, on how tight the deal is, they'll, they'll have to sell. Uh, to preserve capital for investors and not in order not to get foreclosed on either. So I think that will bring a lot of great properties on the market. And um, it's thinking back to, well, 08, 09, uh, the people who acquired properties at that time have done really, really well. And, um, and those properties haven't really fallen back to that price point level. So I think there will have a short window of opportunity um, to expand, particularly for real estate investors, expand the portfolio and, and build wealth for, for our investors. Yeah. Well, that's that's great insight. And I couldn't agree more with you. So I would um, say, is there any last thing that I haven't asked you that you'd love to leave with our audience? Any parts of, you know, words of wisdom? I would just like to encourage everyone to believe, believe in yourself, surround yourself with positive, like-minded individuals. And, and, and once you identify what your goals and dreams are, is take, take action. It doesn't have to be a big uh, step, even if it's that one first small step that you take, and then you take another and another and another. Before you know it, you will have made an amazing progress. So Believe in yourself and take action and um, and make those dreams a reality. I love that. You're such an inspiration to so many. 
And I couldn't agree with you more. Right now is a really good time to educate yourself on real estate. There are so many books out there and a great place to start for anyone that's listening for the first time and wants to know more about real estate. A great place to start is Think and Grow Rich or Rich Dad, Poor Dad, right? Yeah, I would agree. Yes. Yeah. Well, thank you again for being on my podcast and enlightening all of us and so happy about all your success. And I can't wait to watch you in the coming years. Thank you so much, Jennifer. It was a pleasure. Pleasure meeting you as well. Bye, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Mastering Money for Moms podcast. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe, follow, and leave a rating or review because it helps support the growth of this podcast. Also, I'd be so grateful if you would please share our podcast on Instagram and tag me at Mastering Money for Moms to help us grow our community of mothers. We'll see you on the next episode of Mastering Money for Moms.